Amen. I know, I gotta get my own table. Man, when Mark don't show up, things fall apart. No, I'm kidding. Good morning, good morning. How's everybody doing? Good, 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 good. Give me like one second, I'll get my act together. I promise, I promise. All right, so I'm very, very excited to be bringing the message this morning. Um, Mark is out having fun with his wife and enjoying their day and um, everything that's going on. They were headed to the beach, didn't get the opportunity because the storm, and we're still in prayer for all the, the people that are going through um, flooding and just tragedy and loss. So continue to lift up all the, the people who were a part of that storm and just got really impacted by it. So this morning, we got a lot to talk about, so we're going to jump straight in this morning. I'm very excited because I want to build off what Mark talked about last week. So if you were here last week, uh, the word momentum may sound familiar to you. If you weren't here last week, that's okay. This will all make sense as well. It's not like you had to be here last week for this message to make sense this morning. So we're headed down the path of momentum. And Mark talked and did a great job inspiring us to let go and to follow where Christ leads. And he talked about how we're to offer our bodies as a living sacrifice. And as hard as that may seem, it's what God expects of us as a Christian, to give our bodies as that living sacrifice. It's, a, it's the form of worship and obedience that God calls us <clears throat> to live out. And so I loved his message, and I want to build off everything that he talked about last Sunday. And so in light of that we're talking about momentum, we're going to be talking about momentum in our personal walk, and in our, in our spiritual walk. We're going to be talking about the momentum within the local church. We're going to be talking about the momentum that Jesus started over 2,000 years ago. So in light of we're talking about momentum, I really thought it was necessary that we talk about the definition of momentum this morning. And so I did what everybody does when you're looking for a definition. You get on Google and you type in the definition of and then you put your word. So I went definition of momentum. And I'm not kidding. It gave me back the most confusing definition I've ever seen in my entire life. Like nobody understands it. I'm pretty convinced. This is what it shot back at me. A property, see property since 1A, of a moving body that the body has by virtue of its mass. See mass entry 2 since 1C. And motion that is equal to the product of the body's mass and velocity. All right, we good? Y'all got it? Everybody understands what momentum is now we can move forward, right? No. That's what I said. Like, if I ever have to look up definitions of other words to find out that I'm done, like I'm over it, I, I need something simpler, right? So below that, it gave me a, a, a little simpler of a definition, still a little complicated. It said, a property of a moving body that determines the length of time required to bring it to rest when under an action of a constant force or movement. So yeah, a little easier to understand, but still really complicated. So I want to make it really simple this morning by saying this. Every object in motion has momentum. You with me? Every object in motion has some sort of momentum. And the more momentum that object has, the longer it's going to travel. That makes sense? So if you've got an object with just a little bit of momentum, it's only going to travel for a short period of time. If you have an object with a lot of momentum, it's going to travel for a very long time before coming to a stop. We good? We got it? Okay, good. Those definitions didn't help. So I'm, I'm glad we're on the same page. Now, I don't know how this works in the world of science, but I believe that more than just objects have momentum. I believe every business, I believe every dream, every desire, every church, every people movement has some sort of momentum. Some sort of momentum that's pushing them forward that will determine when that thing, when that entity, whatever you're talking about, will stop. 
And I love studying the church. I do. Not necessarily the church just in the past 10 years, but I'm talking about the church from the very beginning when Jesus launched it forward. I love to study the church. And the church has done some really amazing things in the past 2,000 years, and they've done some really terrible things, too, in the last 2,000 years. I just do. I love <clears throat> studying the church. I love that, that people movement that God set into place. And so I, I got to thinking about this and was like, where am I going to go with momentum? And I started to ask myself the question, what kind of momentum does the church have today? What kind of momentum do we see the local church having today? And I'll be honest, like right off the bat, I got really negative. I did. I started thinking about the church and how it seems to be in decline. And I had a lot of these negative things come to my heart. And maybe if you're honest with yourself this morning, maybe <clears throat> that's what, you what, that what comes to mind for you as well when you think about the momentum of the church. Maybe it seems like the church is losing its momentum. Maybe it seems like the church is really struggling. And, and those thoughts that come to our heart are very understandable. Because when you look around, this might be what evidence points to. We see churches closing their doors. We see people turning from their faith. We see churches becoming more inward-focused and exclusive rather than just loving the people who come and accepting anybody in the doors, right? It, it may seem that we're losing momentum. And then on top of that, I started looking up statistics. I love statistics. I love to explore um, just kind of what trends are. And so I started looking at statistics, and they broke my heart, guys. They broke my heart. They really did. One of the most devastating statistics in, in regards to Jesus that I came across was with my own generation. I'm a millennial. I think millennials run from like 82 to 96, I believe, and I'm 1990, so I'm right there on the tail end of it. So I'm a millennial, and, and this was devastating to me. The statistics said that only 18% of millennials think that Jesus Christ is relevant to their lives. 18%. That means 82% of my generation thinks that Jesus has nothing to do with their life and isn't relevant to our day and age anymore. That broke my heart. And that speaks to maybe what you're seeing in this world as you say, well, maybe the church, guys, is losing its momentum. Maybe it's slowing down. But the more I got to think about this, the more God just stirred on my heart. He says, you're wrong. You're wrong, Matt. The church isn't losing its momentum. Just because a few churches here and there are maybe slowing down and even some closing their doors, just because people are turning from their faith doesn't mean that the church Jesus Christ set in motion is losing its momentum. And he sent me to a passage that really just stood out to me. And to understand why I say all this, we have to go back to the original catalyst that started the church and gave it its momentum. To do that, we could go all the way back to Genesis, and we could trace Jesus through the whole Old Testament. We don't have time for that this morning. Y'all are like, please don't bore me with that this morning. So we're going to go into the New Testament this morning, and we're going to read one of the very first times that the church is mentioned by Jesus Christ. Um, if you're, you're wanting a spoiler alert, Jesus is the catalyst. Jesus is our momentum. So this is what Jesus says in Matthew 16, verses 13 through 20. Uh, you can follow along with me. On your, in your Bibles, your apps, or up on the screens, you can follow along as well. It says this. It says, When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do you say the Son of Man is? And they replied, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked. Who do you say I am? 
And Simon Peter answered. I want to stop there. Simon Peter, if you don't know anything about Simon Peter, he always opens his mouth, right? If you know anything about him through the whole New Testament, when he's, he's like the first to jump in. He's gung-ho, and his mouth gets him in trouble. Now, if you know nothing about Simon Peter, that's okay, because you know that type of person, right? Like, we all have that friend who jumps in, and it's always got to, like, one-up you, right? Anybody got that friend who has to one-up you? Everybody's being nice today and not raising their hand. I was going to say, if your hand's not raised, maybe that's you, um, Right, right. It, it's me sometimes, I'll be honest. Sometimes I, I open my mouth too quickly. Simon Peter is always open in his mouth. The cool part is, is that for this one time, he gets it right. He really does. He says this, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. You are the Messiah, the son of the living God. I love that. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. For this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And then he ordered his disciples to not tell anyone that he was the Messiah. I love this passage. You want to know what started the church. You want to know what the catalyst was. His name is Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the living Messiah. Jesus is where we get our momentum. It all starts and it all ends with Jesus. That momentum he gave us is everlasting. It's not going to stop. It's not going to slow down. It's not, it's not one of those things that eventually is going to come to a halt. It'll come to a halt when Jesus returns. And then that's another whole kingdom coming in. And that is so exciting. The gates of hell will not prevail against the church. That gets me excited, and I hope it gets you excited to know that we're a part of something that will never end. That we get to be a part of something that Jesus is going to push forward until he comes back. And on this rock, I'll build my church. Now, the word church is a very interesting word in, in, in this scripture. Uh, the word church here in Greek is ekklesia. And this is a little confusing, but that word ekklesia really doesn't mean church. It's a substitution that we filled in uh, over the years. There's a very interesting story about that. If you're interested, you can come see me afterwards. I'll talk to you about it. But this is a substitution to help us to understand what Jesus was talking about. But the word ecclesia was not some religious term that we created to, to, to identify what Jesus was talking about. It was a very common term of the day. And it simply was a, a, a word that meant an assembly or a gathering of people. An assembly or a gathering of people. And I love that. It's not some building. It's not some physical entity. It's a gathering of people that's moving forward in time that will not be stopped. It's a new movement that Jesus Christ set into place. And on this rock, I'll build my gathering, my assembly, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. This group of people, this gathering, this assembly is still pushing forward today. It's not lost its momentum. It's not going to stop, and it's going to keep on. Jesus is our momentum. It starts and ends with Jesus. So if 4,000 more churches close this year in the United States, it's not going to stop Jesus. It's not going to stop his gathering, and it's going to push forward. And just when you think it might end, Jesus Christ is shared with one more person. The Holy Spirit enters their heart, and guess what? That, that momentum that was started over 2,000 years ago continues just as strong today and in those moments and in our hearts and in our lives. 
Jesus is our momentum. Don't be discouraged. Don't be discouraged. So what do we do? What do we do with all of this? What do we do with the things that we see going on around us? Why do we look out and we see that maybe the church feels like it's in decline? What do we do if we're in our own personal walk feeling disconnected? What do we do if we're feeling discouraged? How do we explain all of this? And how does this pertain to our lives? I think this pertains to our lives in so many ways depending on where you stand this morning. Whether you're a a believer or you don't have Jesus in your heart, I, I feel like this applies to you. So if you're here today and you have Christ in your heart, I want to tell you to keep your eyes on Him and do not be discouraged. But that's easier said than done. It is. Because when you look out, it's easy to get discouraged, right? It's easy to have those moments of weakness. And I think this is the problem. Because I think at some point in our lives as a Christian, I know I've done this many times, I start to lose focus. Anybody ever lost focus before? Anybody ever took their eyes off of Christ and, and, and kind of got sidetracked? Right? I've done that many, many times. We lose focus. We let things seep in that shouldn't. The church is moving forward, but we put up these roadblocks that slow us down. Comfort comes in, creeps in real quietly. And, and, and this happens not only in our individual lives and walks, it happens in the local church. We get some novel idea. We create some man-made laws and we slip them in. We let traditions become more important than Jesus, more important than following him. We add to Jesus. We add laws and stipulations and expectations. When Jesus, let me hear me loud and clear, when Jesus is more than enough. Jesus doesn't need to be added to and Jesus doesn't need to be taken away from. He is that momentum and he stands right where he's at. But we do. We get comfortable and we let things start to creep in. We start to lose sight. We let what's not important become important and we start to tumble down. And I think we see that in the church today. And that's the reason why you look out. And that's the reason that millennials, only 18% see Jesus as a a pertinent part of their life. I remember the very first time that I learned to skateboard. You're like, all right, where are we going with this? How does this apply? Hang with me. I remember the very first time that I learned to skateboard. And I was so excited. I really was. I was pumped up to learn how to ride. All my friends were learning to skateboard back in the day, and I wanted to be good at it because not only my friends were learning to skateboard, my brother's friends, I'm the middle brother, so I'm younger than him, my, my older brother, all his friends were learning to skateboard as well, so I wanted to be cool, right? I wanted to fit in. I wanted to look up to me. I wanted to be a part, and so I wanted to learn to skateboard. Now, before you can learn to skateboard, you got to have the right garb. you got to have the right dress. Like, you can't just go wearing your standard 90s wear and skateboard. you got to look good, right? you gotta, you got to fit the picture. And so I started to, to figure out what I needed to wear, and I begged my mom to take me to Belts or JCPenney's. I can't remember which one. And, and so we go in there, and I just had to have a pair of Jinkos. Does anybody remember what Jinkos are? A couple of you know what Jinkos are. If you don't, they're jeans, and they're either shorts or pants, but it doesn't matter. The shorts were as long as jeans, and I'm not kidding. The legs, things have changed today, by the way. The legs were so wide and baggy, they were wider than the waist. And this was the style, and I had to have a pair of Jinkos, and they had this, like, embroidered words that were cool on the back. It was great, and so I had to get my pair of Jinkos, and I did. I finally begged my parents enough and got me some Jinkos. And then on top of that, I had to get my airwalks, my, my, my shoes, to match. I told my mom they were going to make me a better skateboarder. 
They were going to make me, like, they were going to make it or break it. So I finally got me a pair of Airwalks. So now that I'm fitting the model, right, now that I'm looking like I can skateboard, it's time to start to learn. So I'm on flat ground. I'm skating along. And at first, I'm really wobbly, right? I'm, I'm just starting to get the hang of it, and I start to pick up a little momentum. I, I, I'm doing pretty good. Next, I find a small hill, and I start to skateboard down that, and I get a little more confident with myself. I get a little more braver, and so I find a bigger hill. And then I, I find a little bit of a bigger hill, and I find a little bigger of a hill, and now I'm like, I got this. Like, I am good. My momentum is great. I am excited. I'm progressing. I've gone from not being able to stand on a skateboard to riding down some hills. I got me an ollie in. That's like a little jump, like one inch off the ground, but I was pumped. I was excited about it. So I am, I'm ready. But skateboarding down all these hills, it, it wasn't enough. It really wasn't. So I had to find a really, really, really big hill, like a really big hill, like something that would challenge me. So I find a hill that's like two times the size of any hill that I've ever been down. I'm like, I got this. This is going to be great. I'm going to nail it like I am good. What I didn't realize was is that a skateboard that I'm on is not meant for downhill speed. They're not. It's what a longboard's for. Got more stability, wider trucks, bigger wheels. They're built for it. This skateboard wasn't. So I get to the top of this hill, and I'm looking down. I'm like, got this. No knee pads, nothing. I'm good. I'm ready. I'm, I'm, a little, I'm a little overconfident. And so I'm at the top of this hill, and I start skateboarding down, and I'm picking up speed, and my momentum's good, and the breeze is blowing my hair, and it's wonderful. I'm great. I'm excited. I get a quarter of the way down. I'm picking up more speed. Momentum is good. I get about halfway down that hill, and I am booking it. And all of a sudden, the board starts to wobble like this. I mean, it is wobbling. And I'm like starting to freak out. It's called speed wobbles. It's a thing when you go too fast on a small skateboard. I am wobbling and my heart is stopping. I'm like, I'm done. This is it. I'm going to die. Or if I don't die, my mom and dad are going to kill me. So it's, I'm, it's over. And this is all going through my head. I am booking down this hill and I have to make a decision. There's one of two things I can do. I can stay on this board and it's going to pick up more speed and continue to wobble or I can jump off. And so I decided, you know what, I'm going to jump off. Now let me tell you. Jumping off on a skateboard, going down a hill when you're going really fast and you're still on the hill is not a good idea. You try to land on your feet, and I did for about 0.2 seconds. <laughs> Landed on my feet, and it was just like, doom. Dude, I was just tumbling down that hill, getting skinned up all the way down. And finally, I came to a stop, like a dead stop. And I just see that skateboard, and it just keeps on going, right? That skateboard's momentum just down the hill, up the next, and it is, it's gone. It's gone. My momentum stops, not only physically in that moment, but my momentum to get back on a skateboard was gone for a very long time, <laughs> a very long time. I was terrified to get back on a skateboard. My momentum just stopped, stopped. So why do I tell you this silly story? Well, I hope it helps you to remember the next point that I make, because I believe this story is kind of like our walk with Christ. You see, maybe your relationship with Christ right now is going really well. Maybe you're starting to pick up some good speed and some good momentum, right? Like things are good, you're sharing, you're growing, and all is well, and it's exciting. Everything's good. You're confident. But then something happens. You pick up a little too much speed, right? And things start to get a little scary. Maybe Jesus asks you to do something that you don't think you can do, and you're afraid to do it. And so, like, it feels like the, the life is just wobbling, right? Things are getting scary. Maybe you go through a hardship or a tragedy in your life, and you're, you're blaming it on God. Things are tough. 
Maybe you get hurt by someone who's your good friend who's a Christian, or maybe you get hurt by a church. And that momentum you had, that excitement you had, starts to get real scary. And you make a choice. You can stay on or you can jump off. And so maybe you choose to jump off that board. And when you do, just like I did, you go tumbling down. It may feel like your momentum just stops all of a sudden and things kind of go out of control. It may feel like your life is just spiraling and, and, and you don't know how to stop it. And maybe that's where you feel like you are today. Maybe that's you. Maybe things are out of control. Maybe things are, 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 are really, really hard right now for you. And then you look out and you see local churches struggling. You see people stepping away from their faith. You see your friends maybe doing things that you know that they shouldn't even though they're, they're a Christian. You, you start to feel really disconnected and maybe you start to ask the question, is this Christ thing really real? Like, what am I doing? It's like spiraling out of control. And then we start to become ineffective and we stop growing. And our life just seems like it comes to a halt. You know, the same goes for a local church. When they take their eyes off of Christ, it's like jumping off the board and things go out of control. But don't take my word for it. Take Christ's word for it. I want to read another passage here this morning. John 15, verses 5 through 6. This is a tough one. This is really hard. This, this passage will really challenge you. I, I challenge you to go home and read all of John 15. But this really, really is hard stuff, but it's the words of Jesus. So we're going to read this. It says this. It says, I am the vine, and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you'll bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you're like a branch that's thrown away and withers. And such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. It's tough. It's hard. But we ask ourselves, why do we struggle? Why do we struggle? When we take our eyes off of Christ, what's, what's going on? Why does it feel like our spiritual walk may be withering away and coming to a halt? And Jesus gives us our answer. Jesus is making it very plain and clear that when we jump off the board, when we abandon ship, it feels like we can do nothing right because we can't. He tells us that. I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you'll bear much fruit. He makes it real simple. But apart from me, you can do nothing. See, apart from Jesus, we can do nothing. So when we take our eyes off of him, of course things start to go wrong. Of course things start to feel like a struggle. The same goes in our personal walk as it does in the walk of a local church. I believe this is one of the reasons that some churches are, are really struggling and shutting their doors. I believe Jesus is giving us the answer. He's saying, hey, stay connected. Stay in me. Stay in touch. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bear fruit in your life. But when you, when you take your eyes off of me, you try to do it without me, you're going you're gonna to be able to do nothing. Nothing. We become disconnected. We stop doing what Jesus Christ calls us to do. And one of the first things to suffer is our witness to other people. Not only is our lives spiraling out of control, but when, I, when we're in that state, we're ineffective to reach the people that Jesus places in our lives and our witness and our ability to share Jesus Christ comes to a halt. You know, I think sometimes we get so called up in everything else that's going on in our lives that we ask the question, have we forgotten why we're here? Have we forgotten why you and I are here to share the love of Jesus Christ? 
And I believe sharing the love of Jesus Christ is one of the first things to stop when we jump off the board, when we take our eyes off of Jesus. It's the first thing to go. Sharing the love of Jesus is hard when we have our eyes on Him. But when we take our eyes off of Him, we surely can't do it. If your eyes are elsewhere, the love of Christ won't be shared. And so maybe this speaks to why we see all the discouraging things today when it comes to Christianity. Maybe this speaks to why we have a whole generation, almost a whole generation, all but 18% who say, Jesus isn't important in my life. He isn't relevant anymore. It's because you and I, and I'm guilty in this, have forgotten why we're here and what we're called to do, to share that love of Jesus Christ. Maybe we're putting out the wrong model. Maybe we're putting out the wrong witness. I don't know, but, but it has to be the case that Jesus says, if you are in me, you will bear fruit. And if you're not, you won't be able to do anything. Maybe this speaks to why we see what we see today. So how do we make a change? I've been reading quite a bit lately. Um, I love to read. I've been reading some really, really good stuff, and I've been reading some stuff that maybe uh, I haven't liked as much. But I came across this, this article on an atheist. And I, I'll go out on the limb and say this is the, the favorite quote that I've ever heard from an atheist. And you're like, why in the world would you have a favorite quote from an atheist? It's because he calls us out. Like, he's real. He calls us out on this stuff. It hit me right, right in the heart. It really did. So this guy, you may not know that he's an atheist. His name is Penn Juliet. He's, he's a pretty profound speaker right now and, and trying to push atheism forward. Very, very discouraging, but I think God's working on his heart in light of this comment he makes. Anybody know who Penn and Teller are? The magicians, right? Penn and Teller. Uh, Penn's the tall guy, Penn Juliet. He's the atheist that I'm speaking about. This is what he says. Listen to this. I've always said I don't respect people who don't proselytize. Now, proselytize is a fancy word for sharing your faith, okay? So you need to know that. I've always said I don't respect people who don't share their faith. I don't respect it at all. If you believe there is a heaven and a hell, and people could be going to hell or not getting eternal life or whatever, and you think it's not really worth telling them because it would be socially awkward, how much do you have to hate someone to not share your faith? How much do you have to hate someone to believe everlasting life is possible and then not tell them about it? Wow. Isn't that the truth? Isn't that the truth? We have the greatest gift to give. We have the greatest bit of knowledge to share with this world, and yet we let things come between us. How often do we let other things in our lives become more important than Jesus? More important than sharing the one thing that he called us to do. How often do I let something as silly and dumb as this cell phone stop me from going where Jesus calls me to go, right? How often does this distract and consume us and become more precedent than Jesus in our lives? How often do other things that you do on a regular basis become more important than what Jesus is calling us to do? Obviously, this atheist sees it. He sees it. He's like, you guys got the greatest gift. He's like, I don't believe it, but you guys got the greatest gift to share, and you don't share it. What does that speak of our faith? What does that speak of where our hearts are? Have we forgotten? Jesus left us with one challenge as he was up on the mountain. He was speaking to his disciples and a crowd of people. He tells them to go make, baptize, teach. 
It's what we, what we stand for here. It's our, it's our motto. It's our uh, mission statement. It's what we try to embody everywhere we go, to go make, baptize, teach. It's because it came from the mouth of Jesus. He says, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey the commands I've given you. It's our calling. It's what Jesus has set in front of us to do. Have we forgotten? Have we become so politically correct that we feel like we can't share our faith? Has the church become so scared of offending someone that we choose not to tell them about the one thing that will save them? It's heartbreaking. And I'm guilty. And I'm so glad that Penn has called us out on that. Drive straight to the heart. Where are our priorities? And this absolutely is the truth at times when I look out. Are we sharing the love of Christ or are we afraid because it might be socially awkward? Something as simple as that stops us. I remember as a kid hearing the expression from a Christian, and I didn't get this at the, this young age. It made no sense to me. I heard this expression. It said there's two things. It's from a Christian man. There's two things that you don't talk about with a stranger. What are they? Politics and religion. Now, I get the politics one, right? We're never going to talk about politics from the stage, but religion. I remember that striking me really odd. I'm like, well, we don't talk about religion. Why? You don't talk about the very thing that gives us hope. That makes no sense. As a little kid, I was, I was dumbfounded. Like, what's going on? But is that the, the model that we've built our lives on? Are we afraid to tell people about the one thing that can bring them hope, salvation, eternity, so much more? Are we afraid? Is that really what we believe? Because sometimes it looks like it. Christ's momentum, it's pushing forward. But these things, they slow our momentum down. So what's your momentum look like? If you have Christ in your heart this morning, maybe lately you felt like your momentum has come to a halt. Maybe you feel like you're just spiraling out of control. I challenge you, would you be willing to jump back on? Would you be willing to jump back on the board? Because it's, it's moving. When I fell off that board, it kept on going straight. Christ keeps moving forward. He's going to move forward until he comes back. The cool part is, is that when we direct our eyes back to Christ, He's there to pick us up. He's there to dust us off. He's there to bandage your elbows and your knees and your scrapes and your bruises. He's there to pick you up right where you left off. Would you be willing to do that? Would you be willing to just let Christ be that center of your life again? To find where Christ is working in your life and in your community and to step up and to serve and be a part of kingdom building. That doesn't just mean the serving opportunity, opportunities that are here on Sunday. We got plenty of those. We got plenty of opportunities Sunday and Tuesday and all the other activities we do. We'd love for you to be a part of those. Stop at the kiosk, check those out. But there's more to it than just that. It's more to it than when we're, when we're just in this building. That means taking the opportunities in your own environment, in your work, in your neighborhood, at the gym you go to, taking things on your shoulders to share the love of Jesus Christ everywhere you go. Sitting down with that coworker, sharing Jesus. Inviting the neighbor family over and encouraging them and sharing the love of Christ. It's inviting people to come and celebrate with us at church. Jesus has not stopped moving. So just jump back on. Just jump back on. I want to finish up this morning 
in Romans 12, Mark read Romans 12, 1 and 2 last week about giving our bodies as a living sacrifice. So I want to pick up where he left off. Romans 12, verses 3 through 8. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, though, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ, though many, form one body. Each member belongs to the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it's serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's to encourage, give encouragement. If it's giving, then give generously. If it's to lead, do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Step up. The church, the gathering, it's moving forward. And so can you. Just, just jump back on. Like Mark said last week, just let go of your seat. Let go of what you're hanging on to and let Jesus be the one that guides and directs your life. Find a place to serve. Find a place to be a part. Find a place to step up. Your gift is prophesying, prophesy. If it's serve, serve. Teaching, then teach. Encourage, then encourage. If it's giving, then give. If it's leading, then lead. Whatever your gift is, use it. Just use it. Let God use your life. You want to talk about how to build momentum in your own life? Just apply these things. Just simply apply them. Let go and let Christ be the thing that pushes you forward. So church, I think we've gotten comfortable. And it's time to get uncomfortable. It's time to get out of our comfort zone and to step out. It's time to be who we're called to be. It's time to see a movement. It's time to catch that movement of Christ, the momentum that's going to push us forward. So are you in? And are you willing to step up and step out? And the question that I want you to leave with is this. What does that mean for you? Not for your neighbor, not for the person sitting behind you, but what does that mean for you? What do you need to do today to push forward, to pick up some momentum in Jesus Christ? What does it mean for you? Now, I said this message pertains to people who have Christ and people who don't. So I want to spend the last minute or two here talking to those who don't have Jesus in their heart. And I'm so excited. Because if you're here today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, then I want you to know that that can change today. That can change in this moment. You can catch on to the same momentum that started over 2,000 years ago by Jesus Christ right now, right today, in this moment. And let me tell you, that momentum will be in your heart. And it will be the thing that pushes you forward. And I want to share that, that this morning we had a, a lady who invited Jesus into her heart and she is a part of the kingdom of God and has the same momentum that every Christian here has in their heart. And for that I celebrate. Maybe that's you. Maybe that's you this morning. And I want you to know how much Jesus loves you, how much he cares for you. I want you to know that he knows your very name. He knows the number of hairs on your head. He knows all about your life because he created you. He created you in his image. He created you a masterpiece. You're like, no, no way God created me a masterpiece. Look at my life. Screwed up. It's messed up. I'm broken. And Jesus is like, yeah, I see that. And it's okay. I love you anyways, and I'm here to wash all of that away. There's nothing that the blood of Christ can't wash away. 
You need to believe that Jesus is who he says he is. He's that son of God. He came as a little baby born of a virgin birth. He walked this earth without sin. He died on a cross for your sins. He had your name in mind. He allowed it all to happen. He was strung up on a cross for crimes he never committed. And he did it all because he knew we needed a way to make us whole, to wash those sins away so that we could have a relationship with him and the Father. So he did. He died on that cross. He was put in a tomb, but the tomb couldn't hold him. And three days later, that, 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 that Jesus that was dead rose from the dead. He rolled the stone back. He walked out of that grave whole. He appeared to hundreds of his followers. He set the church that we're a part of today in motion. Then he ascended to heaven to prepare a place for you and I. So if that's you, Jesus is ready. He's ready for you to step on. He's ready for you to catch the momentum. And all he asks in return is that you believe in your heart. Romans tells us that if we believe in our heart and we profess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, then we'll be saved. And it's not a gift for an exclusive few. He died for all, for all who will invite him into their heart. So in this moment, you can just bow your head. You can ask God. You can say, Jesus, I need you in my heart. Will you be my Lord and Savior? Life change. Momentum that pushes you forward. If you're not there yet, ask questions. Come talk to me. Go and talk to the people in the next step room. We're here to love you. We're here to answer your questions. Keep on coming back. Keep on exploring. And when you're ready, Jesus is there waiting, waiting to be a part of your life, to be the Lord of your life. I love it. So I don't know where you stand, and I don't know what decisions you need to make, but I have a feeling that we all walked in here today with the ability to improve a little bit, right? Me included. So I pray in this moment that God's speaking to your heart. That you'll walk out of here today making a decision. I don't know what that decision is that you need to make, but you'll make a decision to push your momentum forward in the name of Jesus Christ. Whether it's serving, whether it's inviting Jesus into your heart for the first time, or reaching out to the neighbor in need, that you'll walk out of here putting your foot down saying, I'm moving forward, I'm going to go where you call me to go, Jesus. I want your momentum to push me forward for what decision do you need to make let's pray father we thank you so much for today we thank you so much for the fact that we have a, a loving god that chooses to use our lives to build up your kingdom and father i know that at times we all feel like our lives are spiraling out of control and maybe this morning someone's in that place. Maybe it just feels like their life is spiraling and everything's messed up. I just pray that this morning you'd help them to direct their eyes back to you, Jesus. To center their focus on you and to just hop back on. To catch that momentum again and to continue to serve and to go where you call them to go. Father, I pray this morning that if, if there's someone here who doesn't have a relationship with you, that the morn, this morning they'll just know that you're real and that you love them and they'll be willing to invite you into their hearts and that they'll catch that same momentum that started so, so long ago, Jesus that you set into motion that's going to change and continues to change this world Father, don't let us be discouraged by the things we see but let us be a part of changing them let's be a part of changing that generation where only 18% believe that you're relevant let's, let's be a part of changing it let's not just sit back and say well, that's the way it is let us be a part of the change, a part of sharing your faith to the ends of this earth. So we love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.